When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, all cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm great, Josh. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's time for FPL managers to to really get to work here. Less than one month before game week one kicks off. We've got a lot of teams to preview in the next couple of weeks. So, Josh, we we typically go team by team in in this section of our preseason coverage. You figured out a really fun way for us to sort of rejigger how we think about our team by team preview. So why don't you tell the listeners what we have in store? Well, I think it's fun. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I can't I can't speak, Brandon, for what's fun for somebody else. OK, but yeah, there's there's a month to go. And normally, yeah, we, we'd go A through, you know, A to A to Wolves or whatever, A to whatever the last team on our list is. And usually by the time we get to those final teams, it's like it's like the kid whose name is like Aaron Aronson, right? Like Aaron yeah. Aronson always gets a lot of attention on this podcast. And then Zeneb. Zanucci, you know, very gets very little coverage at the end. So this time around, this time around, we're mixing it up and we are we are predicting the Premier League table. So it's the same FPL team previews that you'll always get, right? We're going to run through transfer news, defenders, midfielders, forwards, players to watch, players to avoid, all of the stuff that you need to, to start building your your squad. Or at least, I mean, for me, I'm really still not even in the squad building stage. I'm still really very much yeah. in the, like learn who everybody is, learn who everybody, whatever his price is, and then I can start thinking about the squad a little more. But I, you know, I think this is really where it starts. It's just to go through all the squads, start reading articles about what, what, what the transfer news is, start reading about you know who's who, you know who's rumored to be leaving. Like in the case of Crystal Palace, who we'll talk about in a second, like basically like half their squad just left this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, there's a lot, a lot of stuff happening. So we are going to predict the table starting in the 20th place. And we're going to do 20 to 11 on this week's pod. And then we'll do 10, 10 to one. So the team that we think will win the league will be the number one team at the end of the next pod, Brandon. So wow. we're going to start off with the three relegated teams to kick things off. We tried to, I tried to do this honestly, right? You and I uh-huh. went, went through our, um, you know, you, earlier this week, you and I went through and tried to, you know, we messed around with with where we thought people would, would be slaughtered in. We tried to keep from being a little too boring, but we also didn't didn't go for shock value. These are authentic predictions for how we think this, uh, the table is going to settle in this year. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think it'll be really, I think it'll be really interesting and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, there's just a lot. There's a lot happening right now uh, with with transfer news, a lot happening just in real life. You and I were talking about this before the pod started where I went from having absolutely no plans to having (laughs) like just a few plans and somehow going from a a none to a few makes me feel like I'm completely slammed. Like I'm just like, what is going on in my life right now? (laughs) Like I have two two things to do this week. Like what is happening? Uh, I I, I assume you're feeling similarly. Totally. It's that point in the summer where you're kind of like, hmm, maybe when fall gets here, I'll I'll be able to take a breather. You think summertime is going to be re- relaxing, full of vacation, sunning myself in the yard and drinking 
drinking Coors Light or something like that, you know, just to just to name a random beer. <laughs> um, but but now it's like everything's booked solid up until the Premier League kicks off. And I'm kind of like, well, let's just get into the routine of the fall so I can find some sort of a, a rhythm. So let's get a yeah. rhythm going yeah. for this podcast, Josh. Before we get to our predicted table and team previews, let's take care of a little housekeeping. Yeah, before we get to the rhythm, let's completely break the rhythm. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. But But a little housekeeping before we get to it. Our always cheating Super League. This is our official mini league open to all of our listeners. We had more than 20,000 managers in the Super League last season and we're growing. And the special news for the Super League this season is that there is a 1,000 pound cash prize to whoever wins the Super League. And that's courtesy of our friends at Fantasy Football Hub and to be eligible for that 1,000 pound cash prize. You have to join the Super League and you also have to go to fantasyfootballhub.co.uk and simply register on their site as a free or paying member prior to this season starting. We'll talk a little bit more about the hub later on in the podcast. And one last note here before we get to uh, our Patreon, uh, Football Fest, Josh. Our friends at Blue Wire, our podcast network, were so kind to invite us to the Win Casino in Las Vegas. We're going to be there at the Win August 20th through the 22nd, hanging out with Premier League watch parties. Yes, they are going to televise the matches at the Win. Um, so we've got a leg up on the competition, Josh. We're going to be podcasting from the Blue Wire new studio right there in the Win. If you want to check that out, go to Football Fest. This is the Spanish spelling, Josh. F U T B O L Fest. 2021.com um and if you're in the las vegas area during that time we'd love to hang out with you come through the win yeah this will be a uh, game week two this season and i have to admit i've never been to vegas before uh so i'm pretty i actually can't believe that i haven't been to vegas before given how much i really do genuinely enjoy gambling uh so i'm really excited about that if anyone is a vegas uh uh, aficionado and has some some tips for us uh places to go places to avoid uh food to eat i don't know anything right like, it's like a team preview of las vegas right josh exactly yeah we need we need defenders midfielders every you get the goalkeeper transfers uh give us the work so yeah again that's august 20th to 22nd in the wink casino and finally uh patreon if you want to say thanks and support the cheaters visit patreon.com slash always cheating i'm not gonna run through the whole thing because everyone's heard it a million times already but just the one thing i want to note is that we created a brand new baseball style three-quarter sleep t-shirt this year we're giving one of those away once a month in our new the dean's list contest brandon that's d-i-g-n-e the Dean's List Contest, Manager of the Month Award. It's also going to all of our Volkswagen and producer tier patrons, even uh, current current and new patrons. So go to patreon.com slash always cheating to join. And extra podcasts are also back now. Uh, we did one on uh, Thursday of this week. We saw our first kitchen table podcast the season came out. And we got another one coming this week as well. And we got some great advice for how to um, just spruce those things up and give people what they really want, what our Patreon yeah. supporters really want with the bonus podcast each week. Yeah. So lots of ideas there. And uh, just a quick thank you to some new patrons as well. New producer, Matthew Becker, Volkswagen patron, Jefferson Turner and Jason Walker, Lord Sorloth, Parker Kaiser, a great name, Philippe Norris, Magnus Henriksen, Chell, Donnie FPL, uh, and then Pookie Tier is uh, Rebecca Bishop Gasser, Jordan Fruin, and Paul Drake. Okay, that's like the shortest I can do that Patreon feel. So <laughs> well done, Josh. Apologies to everyone. <laughs> yeah, we'll move on now. We'll move on with our lives. Darn it. Um, all right, let's take a break, and we're going to get right into 
the team previews. Brent, I don't think we've ever done a shorter preamble than we just did. I think we're really we're ready to jump into these team previews and get serious in this podcast. We rarely get serious, you know. Last yeah. week we had a, we did two hours with Eric Freeman. We were serious <laughs> for about eighteen minutes of it. This, uh-huh. you know, which is you know only like what is that one sixth of the podcast? So uh, I want to jump right into it this time, though. Let's start off with team number twenty in just one second. Hi, we're back. We're predicting the Premier League table teams 20 to 11 on this week's pod. Team number 20. Okay, this is the uh, the this is the spot you don't want to be, Brandon. Okay, <laughs> so uh, watch out anyone in, in East Anglia. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because team number 20, sad to say, Norwich City FC. <laughs> Yeah, if you're driving a tractor right now while listening to this episode of Always Cheating, you might want to pull over because this could impact you <laughs> directly. Uh, and Norwich, <laughs> Norwich, of course, they were champions of the championship division last season. Where does that put you in the Premier League the following season? Dead last, 20th. Um, but they are still riding with Daniel Farka. And I, I've likened this to... Um, I've likened this to... Burnley and Sean Dyche, where Sean Dyche got Burnley promoted, immediately relegated. Dyche stuck with the club. The club stuck with him, and he brought them back. And Burnley have sort of cemented themselves for for the moment as a as a mid table striving club. I don't know if you could really yeah, ask for they? much more. <laughs> yeah, we'll soon see. <laughs> we shall see. Now, yeah, no spoilers here, but um, I, I just don't see how Norwich have the firepower to mount any sort of campaign this season, primarily because Norwich have gone and sold their best player. Emi Buendia, we didn't really see much of them when Norwich were in the top flight two seasons ago because of injury. But go back to Norwich's uh, championship winning season, and Emi Buendia is by far their most creative attacking force. And they've sold him for a paltry $33 million to Aston Villa. Where does Norwich go from from here, just just at the outset, starting in game week one, Josh, the fixtures for Norwich are, I believe the word is diabolical. They host Liverpool in game yeah. week one, and then they have to face defending champions Manchester City immediately. Then they've got Leicester and Arsenal until they get to fellow promotees Watford in game week five. That's about as bad a start as you could think of for a team that really is going really to have is. to do a lot of work <laughs> to, to find their identity. So um, before I get into my thoughts on the players here, Josh, what are your, what are your thinkings as far as saying Norwich are definitely finishing dead last? Well, it's just hard. It's hard to look at that start and, and be optimistic about them. I mean, in some ways you can just from a, you know, from a sort of FPL perspective, you can really just safely ignore them for the first month of the season, right? There's just nothing. Yeah. There's just nothing there. There's nothing you really want. The fixtures are, are so bad. Um, it, it's kind of hard to even see them scoring a point, honestly, in the first in the first four <laughs> weeks of the season. They were quite good last year in the championship. That, that's the one thing I will say is that this is a lot of us have ever had the the Norwich from two years ago, uh, who were um, you know really had a, had a fun start and then were just really poor the last like thirty weeks or so. Uh, but last year they they really were. I mean, you know, and you can listen back to our team, our, our um, promoted pod, um, where we talk about Norwich even longer. But, um, you know, but they, I mean, they had the highest completion rate of any team in the uh, in the championship last year. I mean, a lot of that was driven by Buendia, sure. But like you said, I think the the consistency that this is pretty much the same squad, it's the anti-Fulham situation, right? Where yeah, it's right. pretty stable uh, year over year. That makes me think that maybe they can weather the storm. And so the, I think it's the, it's the consistency that could see them maybe stay up a little bit longer. I mean, they were, they were sort of a, 
they had a decent run just five or six years ago where they were in the league for, for yeah. several seasons. So um, yep. it's not, a, you know, this is not like a Huddersfield town situation. Right. There is one ray of hope as we start the preseason portion of, of, of friendlies and whatnot. King Ling, King Lin town. It's like rural juror. King Lynn, King Lynn Town, <laughs> who play in the National League. Uh, Norwich whooped 3 0, or 3 0, not 3 1. King Lynn Town managed to score one. Cantwell with the assist. Um, as far as players at Norwich, totally agree, Josh. We don't really need to spend too much time here because Norwich will not be very much in our thoughts as we're drafting our game weeks one squad. But if I had to predict, Mr. Billy Gilmore. A midfielder signed from Chelsea this summer by Norwich, priced at 4.5, could be a very popular FPL pick. And the warning with Mr. Gilmore is you won't expect any attacking returns from him because he does have a deeper lying role in the midfield. But I think where you mm-hmm. uh, you would you would say Billy Gilmore is a positive for your FPL team is he's probably going to get a lot of minutes. I would say you're bringing in, even though Gilmore is a younger player, he does have some experience and gain trust in a major, like a, a big club like Chelsea. You think Norwich bring him in to help shore up the uh, the pivot in the midfield. And if you have a 4.5 midfielder that is just always on your bench, who's always starting and going to come off the bench for one or two points, there are weeks where you just need something, anything. I mean, my preference would be to have a 4.5 midfielder who played farther forward uh, or a four point, or a 5.0 midfielder who was your fifth midfielder that had, had a little bit more attacking potential. But Gilmore, I think that is the, the true FPL uh, value that he provides. Somebody we talked about in our promoted pod, uh, promoted teams pod, was Angus Gunn, the Southampton keeper. So him moving from Southampton to Norwich He's priced at 4.0, Josh, in the FPL game. And I, I I would not bet on it, but Tim Kroll, you know, he's been at Norwich forever. Um, he's a he's a decent keeper. He's a great shot stopper. But if there were a possibility that Kroll either loses his spot to Angus Gunn or uh, Kroll gets injured, you've got a 4.0 keeper uh, right there. So the gun, the gun. Uh, player price that's one to to file away in your memory banks possibly for later the one one other signing that caught my interest was ben gibson center back from burnley again it all comes back to burnley josh and burnley are like a finishing school Always. for for large white men who want to play in the center of of the defense and, and ben, <laughs> ben gibson uh is following yeah. following that that tradition so if i'm talking about new signings for norwich are gilmore gunn and gibson the 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 three G's, the triple threat. That's that's not terribly exciting, is it? That's true. <laughs> I like the three G's. Yeah, I mean Gibson. It's funny because I still think of him as that from from Middlesbrough, like mm-hmm. Middlesbrough. I, I will never figure out how to say that team do that team incorrectly. Uh, he had like one good season when Middlesbrough were in the Premier League, and I still sort of think of him as a good fantasy asset for some reason. Even though sure. he's barely played in five years. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I like I like the Gibson. Yeah, it's like you're right. I mean Gilmore, Gunn, Gibson, all these are players who I mean Gil, you know Gunn. It's like it's kind of exciting because he's 4 million, but you know, I, I mean, McCarthy and Fraser, neither, neither one was, was fantastic last season in Southampton and, and you know, gun couldn't displace either of them. So um, it's hard to say whether he could yeah. uh, displace cruel or not, but yeah. it, it does seem like it's like, it's a possibility. 
Real quick, let's talk about the players that we know and we love, especially the also-rans from two seasons ago for Norwich. And we have to thank uh, our Patreon supporter, Ragtime Willie, who actually runs a fantasy game for the EFL Championship. Go to gaffer.com, G-A-F-F-R.com, if you want to play uh, Championship Fantasy. He gave us a ton of fantasy data from the Championship last season, which is really useful in contextualizing how these promoted players are going to sort of reassert themselves in the top flight. So Timo Puki, uh, he was definitely a striker du jour for the first couple of months, two seasons ago. He's priced at 6.0. Last season for Norwich Puki put 26 goals up just for assists, though. We're going to talk about another promoted striker later on in the episode who uh, won the golden boot, Josh, for the championship. And also... Yep. Had a had a lot more than four assists. So your big concern with Pookie, I think, is he's just a goal scorer. He's not exactly he doesn't have that creative flair. He's running onto the ball. Um and his his main focus is just connect with the ball, put a shot on target. He's not really laying off a lot of passes uh, for his teammates. Yeah, so, and nothing wrong with that if he can score twenty six. You know, it's just, sure. it just seems unlikely. Sure. <laughs> yeah. If if he could do twenty six in the in the Premier League, yeah, then six might be the greatest value of all time. And speaking of value, my favorite player from Norwich two seasons ago was the blonde haired Todd Cantwell. Last season in the championship, Todd with six goals and eight assists. Fine. He was fun to own, Josh, at 4.5 when he was doing things. But now this season, Cantwell priced at 5.5. Doesn't feel great to me. I don't see how Todd Cantwell makes it into any drafts um, unless Norwich prove that they're capable of anything in the first month of the season. Then we've got uh, in the defense, Max Ahrens was the top fantasy scoring defensive asset for Norwich last season. He's priced at 4.5, two goals, four assists, 18 clean sheets. Uh, let's see if Norwich can do anything defensively this season. I would not bet on it. The yeah. one other player I want to shout out here is Kieran Dowell, who's a midfielder. Priced at 5.5 largely because of um, some set-piece duty. He had five goals and two assists last season. But here's the thing, Josh. That was only off of 12 starts. He came off the bench 12 times. Hmm. Um, so Kieran Dowell, he's priced at 5.5. So you think that FPL thinks he's capable of something. He's proved he can score goals. But he is definitely not a lock for this starting 11. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, again, it just feels like let, let's keep an eye on them. Max Aarons is kind of interesting to me just because he is a good player. Right? He's just like a, as a, a non-fantasy wise, just as a player, I think he's a really good player. Um, and so it could be a little bit like Fulham last season. We went into the year thinking, oh, Fulham are just, you know, um, there's nothing there. You know, there's just nothing there from a defensive point of view. And then um, Parker made a big shift, right, where he was like, I – no, I, like, I don't want to score goals or concede goals anymore. Right. <laughs> that was the shift in like December of last right. year. It was just like live in a world it, in which we believe goals don't even exist. It was weird. It was not fun to watch, but sometimes fantasy is not about what's fun to watch. Right. It's about having that, you know, you, you got to put 11 players out there each week. Right. And you're not, you don't have to watch every single match. So yeah. there are times when you just want to stick a 4.5 million player in there. So maybe there comes a point where, where Norwich decide, you know what, this, we, we cannot be this free flowing attacking team that we are, that we have been on the championship, right? I mean, they won the championship last year. Uh, we need to uh, tighten up a little bit and kind of pull like a Lester, right. Or Lester sort of um, uh, when they were, uh, when they came to the premier league, they were, they were a little more open in their attacking style. And then they were like, you know what, the only way we're going to stay up is if we win a bunch of one nils. So, you know, 
again, let's 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 table Norwich and mm-hmm. then we'll talk. We've already talked about them more than we should probably. Totally. We'll table yeah. Norwich and we'll talk about <laughs> them in February of next year. So let's move to 19th position, Josh. We're still talking about relegation territory here. So uh, not not FPL gold, but what do we have at 19? Yeah, and this one is, uh, I, I think this might be slightly, I don't want to say controversial, but I, I have Burnley in the 19th spot, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Burnley, I just think it's it's kind of, I, I, it would seem to, at first you're like, well, Burnley are just always going to find a way to stay up. But first of all, they, they almost didn't last season. And then you look at what they're looking at signing-wise and, the, the fact that the player they really want is Mark Albrighton, mm-hmm. I, I think really tells you everything you need to know, right? Like Mark Albrighton is the ultimate Burnley signing, right? Like on the wrong side of 30, um, just white dude, you know, winger. <laughs> like, it's just like that. You it's have, just very, you've like, never had respect for Mark Albrighton. You, you always, um, even, even <laughs> when Lester won the league, I don't think you really believe that Mark Albrighton had anything to contribute, but he's been, he's been a solid playmaker for that club. And I mean, sure. I agree. All Brighton's career is, you know, he's, he's heading to that Andy King territory pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, him and him and yeah. Jack Cork in the midfield, uh, it, it's, it's going to be wild times. Yeah. And Albrighton's only 31. Uh, I, I mean, he could be, a, I mean, we'll, and we'll see, we'll see if Lester actually let him go. It feels like he has kind of like a little, like a slightly talismanic quality with them, right? Like you just sort of like, he's always a player you can bring off the bench, but he's only 5.5 million. So if he did join, he might be worth considering because there's just for fantasy wise, there's not a lot to get excited about here. And I don't want to be like, I'm a, you know, I don't want to be a total downer about Burnley, but like we all know what Burnley is, right? You have, you have Nick Pope, uh, insanely expensive at 5.5 million. And yeah. he's also coming off an injury. So he's, he's like dead on arrival. I mean, I hate to say it, but like, yeah. you just can't own Nick Pope this season. And, uh, the prices for the defenders are a little bit better. You basically have your classic, Lauten, Taylor, me, Tarkowski. That's those are your four, right? And <laughs> Taylor, uh, Taylor got injured some of last season. I, I still think that I, you know, if I was picking between Charlie Taylor and Matt Lauten, I probably would still go with Charlie Taylor. I think mm-hmm. that he is a slightly better fantasy asset. Uh, and the numbers may not bear that out just because he missed a bunch of weeks with a, I think it was like, was it like an ankle or something? It was some kind of um, yeah. foot injury. If I yeah. And Loughton, Loughton famously can't do anything attacking wise because there was that double game week in which people just brought Loughton in on a lark on a free hit at four because they could squeeze him in at 4.5. Mm-hmm. And there he scored a worldie of a goal. Yeah. First time he's ever done such a thing. So uh, yeah, I think Taylor Taylor <laughs> yeah. is the one with the attacking chops out of those two. I think he was down to four point three by that. Wow, point yeah. So, <laughs> and I, I, so me and Tarkowski, Tarkowski, Tark, Tarkowski, I think started last season at five point five. So now he's down to five point five five point zero. Makes him maybe a little more uh, interesting because you know there there is a lot of set piece threat from from Burnham. This is really uh, one of the keys to them for when it comes to scoring goals, and so. You could consider them if they have a, you know, if they had just an extraordinarily good run to start the season. I think this run is is just okay to start things up. They have Brighton at home, game week one, Liverpool away. Obviously, that's bad. Leeds at home, you'd expect them to concede. Everton away, Arsenal, Leicester. It's just, you know, Norwich in game week seven. I mean, I guess, you know, so there, it's like a mixed bag here where you could get a 4.5. You could get a Taylor and you could probably start them three out of the first seven weeks or something like that. But yeah. um, I do think that there's more exciting options elsewhere and and you know and defenders with a little more attacking threat as well so let's you know look at the midfield here brendan i have a question to ask you which is is it time for me because you know i've never been an albrighton fan Mm -hmm. but i am i have been part of the dwight mcneil fan club for a long long time (laughs) sure 
do I have to finally give up on Dwight McNeil as a fantasy asset? Is, is the dream finally over? Yeah, I think you, I, I guess you do. I mean, the fact that you're slotting Burnley in a 19th, which I think is a little harsh, I think is a little harsh. Um, <laughs> you, you just have to wait for McNeil to move to a different club. And I think this, this Burnley team is just filled with prospects that will move to different clubs. If, and when Burnley do get relegated, like, Chris Wood and and Nick Pope and Ben Me and Tarkovsky for sure. And McNeil is one of them too. It's just like naming all of those players who have all at some point um, been at bigger clubs or have been linked to bigger clubs that they would get smashed this season. Um, it, it, at this, it at once feels very possible and not possible at all to me. So, um, but yeah, McNeil, now, let's let's light, wait until he uh, goes to greener pastures. Yeah, there have been some Aston Villa uh, McNeil interest I know for a little while, and I I still think he's a he's a, a player that I that I really do rate, and it'd be interesting to see him at a bigger club. But uh, you know, clearly, I mean, you know, you just don't get those moves unless you really start to dominate at the lower level, right? And then, or yeah. you know, I, I, I shouldn't say lower level, but when you start to, do- you know, you basically need to take a, a team that's that's just okay and kind of pull them up. Right. And that, that's how you get those moves. So, uh, yeah, just two goals and five assists last year, two goals and seven the year before that, uh, Goodmanson at 5.5 million is a player that I, that I also kind of like, like I sort of like, I like watching him play. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think he's, I, I, so I rate him, but from a fantasy perspective, he's just, you know, it's 5.5 million, which isn't a terrible price. You'd love to see him at five at 5 million. I think you could really consider him. Uh, but he has uh, battled injuries kind of, I think really the last two seasons, he's just really battled injury after injury. And so when healthy though, he has proven to be like a, you know, fantasy asset with double digit return potential. So I, I would at least keep an eye on him and, and, you know, let's see what other signings come. I mean, if Mark Albrighton come in, Brandon, then I guess mm-hmm. I'm probably looking at 20 goals and 10 assists there from him, right? <laughs> Maybe golden boot. I don't know. We'll yes. see. A transformative uh, <laughs> signing. Uh, and so then when you look at the forwards, things get a little more exciting. Uh, you've got uh, Chris Wood, who's just about as steady as it gets. And he's still only 29 years old. I, he's one of those players that I, I guess I just think everyone's older than they are, right? Uh-huh. I thought Mark Albright would be like 33. He's only 31. Tim Kroll to me is like 57. I can't believe he's only uh, 33. And so uh, then you've got uh, Chris Wood, though, 29 years old, 12 goals last season, 14 goals the season before that, 10 the season before that, 10 the season before that, right? So four consecutive years with at least 10 digit or, you know, with with at least double digit goal returns in the premier league. And he's really, I thought the second half of last season, he was really dangerous. I mean, he had that kind of unbelievable moment, uh, away to wolves late in the season where I think he got a hat trick and an assist. It was like a 20 point return from Chris Wood. And he's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's sort of, he's a little, I I wish he was like 6.5 million because Paying seven million for a striker on a team that I think is going to get relegated mm-hmm. is feels a little high to me. Uh, you have a lot of there's a lot of options in that six point five million to seven point five million range for forwards this season, yeah. and I, I just think he's slightly too expensive at seven million. What do you think? Well, yeah, and the piece of wisdom that you often point to, Josh, from Fabio Borges on his Meet the Manager podcast with Joe Lepper on the Fantasy Football Scout, where he talks about. There, there is this allure of assets on teams at the bottom half of the table, especially for ones like Wood, who are slightly overpriced. There's just barely, if ever, any value there. So as much as you can find the $7 million FPL asset who is 
playing for a team not in the bottom half of the table, always go for that player. So, yeah, if uh, Chris Wood and Burnley start the season struggling, as we predict they will, uh, I I have to agree. And you, you, we're going to talk about, even looking at Timu Puki, uh, he, even though Norwich are going to be crap this season, he will be starting every match. He will be on the end of every attacking move that Norwich has, and I can save a million. Whereas Chris Woods, yeah, I think that that's it's very shaky. Yeah, uh, the, the nice thing about all of these forwards being in that similar price bracket is you don't really have to commit to like you don't need to have strong opinions on on Chris Wood or Pookie or kind of any of these players. I mean, it seems like a very valid and smart strategy this season is to not be too attached to your forwards ever, right? Because you can just keep moving them around, just keep shuffling them around. You know, it's like, all right, like uh, Ivan Tony has a nice little run. Let's have him for a couple of weeks. All right, Chris Wood has a couple a nice run. Let's move him in for a couple of weeks. And it's not going to require you to make any big changes to your team, right? Like if you've got like a, a midfield full of just really hugely expensive players from Liverpool and Man United and, you know, Man City, et cetera, um, then you're kind of just set and you can just waste, I shouldn't say waste, but you can, you can utilize your transfers, just moving those players around a lot. So, you know, I think, I think that's just, that's a good, I think, mental approach going into the season, which is that, do I think Chris Wood is too expensive? Sure. Do I think I could have him for three good weeks at some point this season. Absolutely. hundred percent. So I, I think, you know, that, that might be one way to, to look at kind of all of these players and maybe a way to stop yourself from, from rating them too lowly or putting yourself in kind of like a rhetorical box where you're like, right. well, I'm kind of on, this is like a thing that I, I sometimes do on Twitter where I get like on the record about somebody, uh-huh. <laughs> like I don't like them. And then suddenly in my head, I feel committed to not bringing them in uh, because I've sort of said that I don't like them. Uh, so I am okay with, with Chris Wood, the other three Vidra Barnes, um, and, uh, uh, and Rodriguez, uh, they're all 5.5 million and, you know, they're worth watching if they have a really good run of form, like, like, um, Barnes did a couple of seasons ago, but I think in general, those are just not that, that would be a trap for me. I would not, um, burn a transfer or I, I wouldn't, I would not set my game week one team with any of those forwards because I just don't know. Um, you know, I mean, I think between Vidra and, and Barnes, for example, in particular, it's not really clear who the starter is there. It was Vidra for a while and then he kind of lost his spot. So it's yeah, hard to well, say. And, and Ashley Barnes, a uh, famous Austrian struggled a lot with injury last season. And I think that's where you, where you saw a lot of, a lot more minutes for Vidra, but again, like, wow, Burnley, like a weirdly deep squad with, uh, that many, that many dudes that they can, they can put up front. So I don't know. I, yeah. I, I think that it's it's slightly harsh on Burnley at 19th, but I will say it is not harsh, Josh, where we have moved an 18th position in our predicted table. And it may shock some some people to know, and I know there are a lot of fans of this club out there, but it's it's Southampton. And I I speaking of going on the record, Josh, I've gone on the record of thinking that Hassan Hoodle is really not that great. The Alpine Klopp. I mean, any manager who who he's breaks. Your, he's your Mel, he's your Mark Albrighton. <laughs> he is. He is Mark Albrighton and Haas and Hoodle just in, in in the car together, driving off the cliff. And any manager who just cries and falls to the ground and a- after beating Liverpool one nil and then like ceases to win another game for the rest of the season. I mean, this this guy I just think is is hilarious. Now, 
that's my own personal perspective on one man, not all of Southampton. Southampton, clearly a storied club, and they have been a model club for you know the last decade for when they they got promoted back into the top sure. division. So I don't want to uh, slight the club at all, but they are they're in the FPL discussion with Norwich right now because they're in the process of possibly moving on their best player. And how does a club survive after doing that? If you think about all of the rumors surrounding Danny Ings, and we saw, Josh, that uh, Danny Ings has, has rejected his contract extension. He's definitely looking for a way out of, the club, mm-hmm. out of this club. He sees what always cheating sees written on the wall. Southampton very well might get relegated <laughs> this season. So if, if, yeah. if Ings moves on, that obviously spells trouble. Their start of the season is, I think, what we'd qualify as mediocre fixture-wise. Game week one, they they have Everton away, and then they host Manchester United, followed by Newcastle, West Ham, Manchester City, and then Wolves in game week six. Um, again, it's a fixture opening fixture list that doesn't say invest, invest, invest. And then what do we have in terms of transfer rumors or, or um, actual signings? Not rumors, Josh, signings for Southampton. Um, I guess the big news was Romain Perot coming from Brest in Lyon. Uh, he's got three goals and seven assists as a left back. Coming in to probably play on the opposite flank is Kyle Walker-Peters. There was a, a rumor that uh, Brandon Williams from Manchester United might be coming in uh, to shore up the bench for Southampton. But I think with Kyle Walker-Peters and now Perot, there, there's no room in the starting lineup for for Mr. Williams. But my my memory of last season with Southampton was just the complete mess cluster that was the goalkeeping situation. Uh, Fraser Forster and um, McCarthy swapping that number one shirt off and on throughout the season, which made it very difficult to figure out how to invest in the Southampton defense. Now there's rumors that uh, Forster may actually go back to Celtic. So I, I, I suppose that's good news for McCarthy, but yeah, in general, it feels like this, this defense it's settled and that, I guess that would be the one thing in its favor, but uh, you know, Burnley have a settled defense too. And I, I just don't think that's clearly Brandon. I, when we came to, when we put together these rankings, a settled defense was not something that we valued <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very highly. Right. right Cause I right. mean, like it is settled, but like, like Southampton are the team of all the teams in the premier league, they're the ones who are most liable to get like pasted 12 nil right at yeah. some point this season. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. They've shown it season after season. They will lose nine nil nine one at least once during the season. So um, I started, I started rattling off names of attacking assets for Southampton and, and James Ward Prowse is again, one of them. He used to be my Todd Cantwell player. Um, and, and now James Ward mm-hmm. Prowse is just like a fully fledged adult man liable to get an England call up from time to time. And he had his moments last season yeah. for sure. Eight goals, seven assists. He's proved to be like a, a Leighton Baines esque free kick maestro. And the sure. 6.5 yeah. price tag will be the siren call to the Rocky shores for, for many fantasy managers this season. And I feel like we've got a note here that James Ward Prowse has like made a habit of leveling up, progressing through the seasons and I think what's important for JWP in the fantasy game is he still needs to move up one more level for him to be in the Rafinha, 
uh, in that Rafinha Stewart Dallas conversation for me. Now it's all these question marks surrounding how do we think Southampton are going to perform? What's House and Hoodle got in store that that again keeps like dragging JWP away from being a potential game week one fantasy pick? Forwards, I mean. This is another guy who desperately needs to level up, but like he he's got a ways to go before he reaches James Ward Prowse levels. But Che Adams, um, just an absolute crappy, <laughs> crappy fantasy asset. Like I I he's one of those. You are so down on him. I, I, nine goals and seven assists is not that bad. I mean, he started. He's yeah. a, he, I think he was five million last season, so that that's not a yeah. bad return for five million. So that that's right, and I I, I guess like it. In a vacuum, I, I do really want to like Che Adams. I think he's got potential, but I think a comparison for me with Che Adams last season was Ollie Watkins. And Ollie Watkins comes up from the championship and immediately proves that he's found another level. He's found another gear. And Che Adams, even though nine goals and seven assists is a decent contribution um, as far as fantasy assets go, and it, you know, maybe he's cheap at five million last season, but there are knock-on effects throughout the rest of your squad. Like you paint yourself into these corners with these cheap forwards. So now Che Adams up to seven million. That feels like a price tag for a striker who's probably going to be the main man for yeah. Southampton, yeah. and that is, as I'm suggesting, a bit of a worry. Yeah, and I mean, there's just all the Heisenhutl had some interview where he was talking about the Ings contract situation and just sort of being a little down on it, you know, and just like, I mean, there's a lot of Spurs interest right now too. And so I don't know. I mean, you know, if, if things leaves, it doesn't necessarily change anything for Adams though, because, you know, Heisenhutl is really into this, this, you know, RB Leipzig style. I think it's like a four, two, 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 right. That's the system they play. So he's always going to be in a two striker system. It's not like he's going to be, yeah. you know, the man Jagan if, press situation. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not sure how much things change for Ings or for Adams, whether or not Ings leaves. Um, but I, I agree at 7 million. It just feels a little high. It's funny. Like I, I feel like I've said 7 million is a little high for every single player we've talked about so far, <laughs> including like an all previous podcast, like eventually I'm going to have to find a forward that I actually like, uh, in, in that price range. And I, I, it may be Ian Acho. I don't know. We'll talk about him later, but, uh, not necessarily on this podcast. Uh, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. What about Ings? I mean, what are you, what are your thoughts on Danny Ings just going into the season, whether he stays at Southampton or goes somewhere else? Yeah. I, for Ings, you, I, I have wondered on occasion, like, what else do you want? Like you're at a, you're at a, you know, a, a club with a decent structure who will support you. You have a showcase of your talent. You've already like played and scored for Liverpool, your dream club, which, you know, by, um, by association, you've played in the champions league, I guess for Ings, he thinks that he still has a couple of more years at the highest level left in him. And he wants to take what he's doing at Southampton to a club that has, uh, has, um, not necessarily a more ambition, but ha- is has more capability in the very short terms. Because if Ings has one or two years at best playing at the level, he is. But you know, they, from from a fantasy perspective, the knock on Ings will always continue to be he's injury prone. And the last two seasons, not two seasons ago for Southampton, was a joy because it was the first season it felt like Ings was able to beat his injury past. And, but then it came back right. uh, to bite him last season. Do I want him at $8 million if he stays at Southampton? I think 
I think he's probably a more interesting prospect than Chris Wood at seven million, just because he is incredible at finishing and he's incredible at making his own shot. So I, I think Ings is very appealing. If Ings, like say say hypothetically, Josh Ings moves to Spurs and Kane moves on, and then Ings is the main man at Spurs at eight million uh, under Nuno. That's even more intriguing. So, assuming Ings comes in fit oh, game week sure. one, yeah, I, 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 he's definitely the player in this Southampton bracket right now that I would think the most about. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right about him. Kind of it feels like he's in a. I agree that he's in a good situation right now. I mean, I can see him wanting. You know, I mean, maybe it's hard to just resist the idea of a level up, right? If Spurs come calling and they're, and they're going to use some K money on you, then that's that's a hard thing to turn down, right? Because you're going to be able to play in Europe and stuff like that, but. You know, I just, you know, for him, it's like if, he, if he's not the man somewhere, then he's going to be a backup role, right? Because it feels like Ings, Ings is only going to play as a forward. And he, it seems like he really thrives in a two-forward system. But a two-forward system is not very common, especially yeah. among the top clubs, right? It's not like a, a very standard system anymore. And so he really has to be the man or he goes into like a backup role. Like if he goes to Spurs and Kane doesn't leave, then what does that mean for him? He just comes off the bench, you know? Um as like, as you know, why would he want that over staying at Southampton? But, you know, who knows what motivates people, Brandon? I don't know. Maybe he's just like, <laughs> I made enough money and I just want to go somewhere where I'm like playing. Maybe he's like, I just want to go play in, uh, you know, Ludogrets, uh yeah. just once before my career is over. So, you know, good on he, him. He's so. an adventurer, Josh. All right. So we're going to move on to number 17 now in this. So we're out of the relegation spots. Now we're in the almost relegated, but you stay up just by the skin of your teeth. And in this, okay, it's the team that we've got in 17th is Crystal Palace. And when we start talking about Crystal Palace, you might think to yourself, why do we have Palace in 17th? Why do we have Southampton and Burnley in 18th and 19th? And to me, it's a question of energy. Mm-hmm. I just think that <laughs> it's a little, it feels a little more played out at Southampton and Burnley. Like the kind of, it's a, it's a really stable squad in a lot of ways. They haven't made, you know, giant transfers, haven't changed things up too much. That I think works for a time, but eventually the energy kind of runs out a little bit. And I think it feels like Crystal Palace. And so I'm just, I feel like maybe I'm just optimistic putting them here, but yeah. it feels like they really made an effort this season to go onto the front foot, to actually try to do some different things, to be more attacking, to get rid of some of the old, the, the dross, right? 11 mm-hmm. players from Roy Hodgson's side were either released or waiting to negotiate new terms going into the season, right? So the vast majority of them will just be gone, um, which is extraordinary if you think about it. I mean, 11 players, that's <laughs> I like love half the They're team. They're just waiting by the phone patiently, <laughs> yeah, exactly. patiently just like with their 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 chin resting on their, yeah. on their uh, closed fist, just like tapping their fingers. When is Patrick Vieira going to call? Totally. You got Tompkins, Tompkins with his fingers and his mutton chops, you know, just waiting for, <laughs> waiting for that, waiting for his cell phone to ring. So, so they have a new manager, Roy Hodgson, God bless him, uh, mm-hmm. brought incredible stability to that side. And, and I think everyone kind of liked Palace. Like, I, I, you know, maybe they weren't the most exciting team or anything like that, but it felt like they, they, they never played hugely negative football. They it felt mm-hmm. like they did the most with, with their squad. And so, um, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that, but, they have they have decided it's time to to move on and hopefully level up a little bit, right? So so Patrick Vieira comes in. Uh, you you and I know him. We were just talking about this recently, but you and I know him from our our one season as uh, New York City FC season yeah. ticket holders. And uh, I don't remember anything really about his manager. So I got to be honest. I, I remember yeah. uh, all I remember is um, uh, what's his name Perla uh, Pirlo uh, yeah. just. 
waltzing through every match, like barely paying attention, yeah. like just yeah. collecting paychecks each week. You know, sure. I mean, God love him. He played for like 20 years for, for <laughs> you know, AC Milan. Yeah. I um, mean, that was, that was a stacked squad that Vieira had at NYCFC with Pirlo, Frank Lampard, David Villa up top. Uh, of course, Poku, the legend. And I, I think my memory of Vieira's management style there was it was very balanced. Um, and I think he I mean, he obviously had the tools to to play a little bit more um, cultured in, in the midfield, especially. But moving to Palace, this would be my like this is the make or break Palace's season for me is how well Patrick Vieira is able to um, fit into the club and then into the Premier League. And it, it it reminds me of um, shoot who's the who's the Dutch manager who uh, crashed and burned at Palace and then crashed and burned with Holland at, at oh, the Euros. And yeah, I, you know I've forgotten his name, but yes, I know I know who you're talking about. So you know Vieira, he's he's trying to pay his dues coming to uh, he's he's gone to MLS and what was he? he was in League One prior to coming to this division. I but. I'm not convinced that he's actually proved that he has what it takes here. So I, it's kind of an uh, an open case file. Uh, Frank DeBoer, by the way. Is yeah, the DeBoer, right. You were thinking of, I believe. Yeah. So, uh, you know, one thing I, I've already, you know, I was just reading about Palace heading into the season. I mean, one thing that it does seem like Vieira has really um, maybe convinced some of the younger players to, to come in. Like it, it may be a place where players want to come on loan, you know, like players from top clubs and, and go and play for a little bit because they just sort of trust trust Vieira, maybe trust his Man City pedigree. Of course, his, his pedigree is an Arsenal player as well. Um, so not a great start. So they, they're better than new players and they have a lot of great starts. So this could be a, a team where the numbers look really ugly after five or six weeks. And it, I think that the ship may write a little bit after that. And, you know, part of the problem too is that uh, Eze, who really started to look quite good at times last yeah. season, um, is out. He injured himself in game week 38 uh, and he's out until late fall at least. So, um, unfortunately we don't, we won't maybe know what this team looks like at full strength until, until then. So, you know, maybe just, um, treat their early results with a grain of salt because a lot of things are going to be changing early on. Uh, the transfer is the one that is that people are excited about is this player, Michael Elise. Uh, he's a highly rated 19 year old attacking midfielder. And he scored after scoring seven goals. He joined after scoring seven goals and 12 assists for Reading last season. Uh, it's only 5.5 million. So I, I think he, uh, he, this to me is exciting, right? You talk about like, who do you want in your team? And at these kind of lower tiers, the fourth midfielder spot, the fifth. And, you know, it's like, I never want the Basuma type, you know, it's like, <laughs> I know, I know, I know what you're going to get with Basuma. He's going to start every match. That's great. He's going to start every match and score one goal over the course of a season. Like give me the Michael Elise every time, right? Like, yeah. just like, who knows what's going to happen? You know, uh-huh. <laughs> like who know? like probably nothing, but like, let's, let's, let's see. Um, and, uh, Adamola Lookman, your boy, Brandon and Connor Gallagher oh, also rumored. And I thought Gallagher looked good at, at West Brom last year too. You, uh, you don't think, uh, Lookman could be a good fit there? Well, I, uh, I guess my, oh God there, my reaction to you mentioning Lookman was less Lookman himself, more just like PTSD of watching Fulham try to, uh, attack the opponent's 18 yeah. yard box last, last season. I mean, if, yeah. if any of those lone players looked good good or acquitted themselves well for Fulham it was Lookman I mean my god imagine owning Ruben Loftus-Cheek's contract you 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 must like wake up startled uh 3 a.m every morning like whoa um so yeah Lookman I I love it and I, I you're about to talk about Zaha and I think if you're a Palace fan or if you're a player at Palace to go from 
Hodgson, who served the club well, playing a very defensive, structured style. Now you've got Vieira coming in like a a, a new a new lease. And I I would have loved yeah, talking fresh about blood, right? fresh blood. I would have loved talking about Pal- I would have loved talking about Palace even more if Eze was fit because I do think as you're going through these players, Josh, there is a, a higher level of attacking um, potential here. So where does that leave our good friend Wilfred Zaha? Yeah, Zaha comes in at seven million. Had for him, I think uh, you know, classified as a midfielder too. Should, we should know because he's bounced back and forth a little bit. Uh, he is he's got eleven goals and four assists uh, last season, which is a real bounce back season for him. It seems like he kind of you know he's, he kind of sulked through the full season before that, and this season he stepped things up a little bit. I don't know if the Vieira signing is enough for him to not kind of want to get away. It feels like the every year, every summer now, the drama for Palace is like, does does Zaha get his wish? <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of makes you feel bad if you believe in like labor rights or whatever. You're yeah, like, right. It's kind of sad because yeah. every summer he's just like, let me go. Let me go. And they're like, nah, sorry, we can't do that. Well, you know, we were talking there. about that with Buendia and Ings. And if you're looking at Spurs, if they sell Kane, I mean, Palace are no fools. They see Zaha as really the only way that they're going to score goals ever. Why would they sell him? And I think Zaha's are also in this weird limbo where he is incredible he's an incredible footballer but as far it's it it feels like Zaha is best when Zaha is able to be Zaha like to fit him into more rigid systems like Pep Guardiola it's it's all down to the system and you playing your role and Zaha is just more he's more creative so uh, he's and on the one hand he's got a great situation at Palace and on the other hand you would love to see Zaha playing in in Europe or, or just doing, I guess, doing something a little different. Yeah, and I, I mean, I would actually love to see him at Arsenal. I think that he could fit pretty well there. I'd certainly rather have him over like someone like William, right? Um, and yeah. uh, now that my boy, Emil uh, uh, Smith-Rowe, is, is really starting to step things up a little bit this season, Brandon, I would love to oh, see he's, Zaha. Oh, he's been upgraded his- to your boy status. That's right. Yeah, your boy is now. Now, when I say your boy in the podcast, I'm almost always referring to someone who's bad. And when I say my boy on the podcast, I'm always, <laughs> always referring to somebody who's good. Okay, uh-huh. that's just okay. a good rule of thumb for anyone <laughs> out there. So I, I would like to, and, and for anyone who doesn't know, I'm a, I'm an Arsenal supporter, and Brendan's a Fulham supporter. So that gives you that. that hence, Brendan's Lookman uh, angst a few minutes ago. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think, I think. I don't know. Seven million is not bad. I wouldn't really, to be quite honest, I, I wouldn't have anybody from Palace on my squad to start the season, uh, just because they're they're. I don't know how they're going to look. I don't know, you know. So, I mean, these these team previews were kind of, you know, you want to kind of cast throughout the whole season. But from a fantasy perspective, I, I'm trying to think farther than like five or six weeks ahead. Maybe a little bit differently when it comes to goalkeepers and rotation, and maybe like my fourth or fifth defender slots where I just want to like kind of set them and forget them. But in general, when it comes to players who I'm planning to start, I'm just not thinking more than four or five weeks ahead. So in that case, I think that there's just really not a lot to be excited about with, with, with Palace's early start here. Um, And so I, I would avoid Zaha and then defenders. I mean, I'm glad that Gaitis finally had a reasonable price. He's only 4.5 million now. Mm-hmm. Um, had eight clean sheets at 10 the season before. He's good. Um, and I think maybe that, that he is good. And I think that number is a little low just because um, they had a lot of injuries last season, a lot of defensive um, problems. So, you know, if, if Vera writes the ship a little bit or institutes, a, uh, kind of does like an Arteta, right. And just institutes like a more kind of, mm-hmm. 
like just just gives like a little bit of like you know solidity to the mm-hmm. defense, then I think that we really could be looking at um, at um, Gut in particular. Uh, Tyreek Mitchell at four point five million, I think, is the one defender I'd really be thinking about too. Um, and uh, you know, started at four million last season. Uh, really came on and it felt like he, you know, just he's the left back of the future, I think, for that club. I mean, we'll see what happens if if Nathan Ferguson ever um, recovers <laughs> from his injury. It feels like mm-hmm. he's been out for like two full seasons now. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I, I'm kind of excited about them just because I think I really like applaud them making some positive steps here. And um, and then then you have Benteke, who I, I wanted to be a hater about. But I mean. God bless him. He really was good the second half of last season. And you and I have talked about going into the season with this like tabula rasa, mm-hmm. a clean slate approach. And I, I I'm gonna have to give Benteke the a little bit of credit here because he's only six point five million. He scored ten goals last season. It feels like he scored every single game week to mm-hmm. close out last season. Um, and just like a completely different player. I don't know if he like did like the Noom diet or what. Uh-huh. I don't know what happened with him exactly, but he looked so he had so much more energy. The only thing what I don't like. What is the Oprah thing uh, where that she does? <laughs> it's it. What what do you call it? Where you just like visualize success and. And it, and it happens. So I, I think you just right, start. Yeah, the, yeah. What is that? Yeah. The gift. There's some, yeah, there's some exactly. word for that. Yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So he is, uh, I think he's actually a player you, you, you could consider as crazy as that is. Uh, I, I think that Benteke as crazy as that feels in my heart, but I, I think that uh, Benteke may actually be a player that we look at at some point this season. I, again, I don't think I'd have anyone for Palace to start the season, but I'm, I'm rooting for him this year. Yeah. So number 16, Brandon is you. Let's talk about Watford. Uh, Yeah, Watford, another promoted team who we predict to survive. And I think this prediction is based in their defensive chops. And you look at manager Zisco Munez, who is a Spanish manager, came to Watford midway through their second place finishing championship season. He really changed up the squad or the formation a bit to focus on clean sheets and defense. And and part of that was actually moving uh, Daniel Bachman into the goal ahead of, of Ben Foster. And between those two goalkeepers, they kept 23 clean sheets over the course of a 44, 44 game uh, championship season. So what we expect from Watford is exactly kind of what we were hinting at earlier is how are you a club like Burnley or Southampton or Palace going to survive? And it's going to start with defensive solidity. And if Watford have already carved out that niche for them, if they already know what the brief is as far as that's concerned, that puts them off uh, on a good foot, on the right foot going into the season. The concern fantasy-wise is going to be can Watford score any goals? And I think their new signings don't really give me any further faith that we're going to see a ton of goals from Watford. Before we talk about those signings and the players we want to watch out for, Watford, I I feel like when you look at the fixture ticker rating for Watford, you're like, "Hmm, not a bad start. But when you actually step back and, and look at the clubs who they are facing, it's Aston Villa in week one. Villa had one of the best defenses going last season, and I would expect more of the same uh, from Villa. Then it's Brighton, and I think we are going to rate Brighton pretty highly this season, followed by Spurs in game week three. Then it's Wolves and Norwich. So I think if you're considering Watford assets, it's not going to really get um, compelling for them until game weeks four, game weeks five, and that might be around the time that we all start considering an early wild card so 
if you're talking about that defense, Josh, something that we talked about in the promoted teams podcast we did a couple of weeks ago was a goalkeeper rotation. And this this is the type of goalkeeper rotation where it's not I'll get a 4.5 player from this club and a 4.5 goalkeeper from this club. And depending on the fixture, I'll I'll rotate them here. You get both goalkeepers from one club. Therefore, you're guaranteed to always have somebody in the goal mouth um, in case of injury. And you have to love the Watford keepers because Bachman, who is presumed starter, is 4.5. And then Ben Foster, who's no slouch, is at 4.0. So that's you're just paying $8.5 million for to solve your goalkeeper problem. I like this solution, kind of. I don't like it for game week one. I think it's something that... If you play the early wild card when the fixtures open up, then we'll have a better sense of is it really working for Watford? Do they actually have a good defense for the top flight division or not? So it's sort of like a put a pin in that one. Josh, I want to ask you about another Josh. New signings for Watford. FPL elite status Josh King, who... Uh, was was a fun player when he was at Bournemouth. Then Bournemouth got relegated. Sure. Suddenly, Josh King is just living in an alternate dimension. He went to Everton on loan last season and did bupkis. Zero goals, zero assists, essentially zero minutes. Like nobody trusted this guy for anything. However, now he's at Watford. It's sort of like he's in a similar situation as he was at Bournemouth, and he is priced to sell at 5.5 in the fantasy game. Yes, no, maybe on Josh King. Uh, yeah, I really don't. I really don't know what to think, uh, honestly, about about Josh King. I, uh, I mean, I, I, it feels like he's probably not even going to be brought in to be a starter, and so that 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 make, that throws me off a little bit. Last year, I mean, he, like you said, he was just he was so poor, honestly, mm-hmm. at um, you know at Everton last year that it's kind of hard to be excited about him. And then also, you look at how many forwards they have at uh, Watford going into this season. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They have there are ten forwards listed <laughs> on the on the FBL site for Watford right now. Ten. I don't think I've ever seen. It's actually two pages worth of forwards. I've never had to go to a second page to look at a team's forwards before. Uh, it is especially when you look at West Ham, where they just have one right and uh, yeah. one injury prone one at that. So it's it's bizarre that you have to go to two pages and. The the forward that I would be more interested in, just uh, like in a in a take a flyer way, would be uh, Ja Pedro, who's five point five million. He's really young, um, highly regarded. Um, you know, just I, I don't know. Like I feel like if you were going with like a like a four four two to start the season, you know, uh, as a formation, then having someone like him in that third forward spot, I think would be. I would just rather have him over Josh King, to be quite honest. Maybe with Josh King, his best seasons are like three or four years ago now, and I, I'm just not. I'm not in. I'm not in on Josh King. You know, okay. it's like yeah. maybe I, maybe I need to have a blank slate with him, but I just can't do yeah. it. And I think for me, if I'm going to tabula rasa Josh King, I'm going to remember where I stood with Jesse Lingard last season. Lingard goes to West Ham, and I'm just I'm, I'm I was saying exactly what you're saying about Josh King right now. So I I do think it it is within Josh King to go to Watford immediately, claim a starting role, and do something fantasy wise. So. I'm open to it. This is not a this is not a punt. I will take game week one, but I I am at least ready for it. I mean, you're looking at these these other forwards forwards for Watford. Andre Gray almost certainly will be loaned out somewhere. Troy Deeney will get limited minutes, even though he's a club legend. 
Um, the 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 other big attacking asset you want to talk about here is is Malasar, who we all remember from putting Liverpool to the sword when Liverpool thought they were going to be invincible yeah. two seasons ago. And uh, he's got a he's got a tough price tag in fantasy, six million. But looking back at his his stats from the Gaffer game last season in the championship, 13 goals, nine assists over uh, 39 starts. So that's not bad. We're talking about players who are showing that they can level up. Saar is definitely one of those players who looks like he's charting a path. He's leveling up. So put him on your watch list. I think the thing that's just about Saar is just that he's 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 only six million, and we've, you know we've gone through teams 20, 19, 18, 17. They've got lots of players in that five million, you know, five point five, six million category. And I feel like, especially in that five point five million range, it's like if you just go up, if you could just find 0.5 million more. You can get a player of SARS quality. Um, I, I probably throw Jack Harrison in this category as well because he's also six million for leads. But you have a player of SARS quality who I think would get minutes on most of the top six clubs. I'm not saying he would be a starter on those clubs, but I think he is a top six level player. And so I think that talent just really is like what you're looking for at the bottom rungs. Like, can you find somebody who's just super talented? Who's going to, yeah. you know, we're talking about this Dwight McNeil. He hasn't really been able to do this yet, you know? And so maybe, so Saar, maybe he just becomes that kind of talismanic player uh, for Watford. That's, you know, honestly, Saar is one of the reasons why I think that Watford are going to avoid the relegation spot. So um, yeah, I think he's, he's the one that I'd be more excited about. And then, yeah, I mean, outside of the defenders, he's really the only um, midfielder forward that I'd really be strongly considering. Yeah, I think the Mateus Pereira effect at West Brom last season is what you're describing. Yeah. And I think we'll see Pereira in the league. Uh, we'll probably see news about that in the coming weeks. But yeah, just in the spirit of the defense of Watford and just looking for the cheapest possible players, players that legitimately would make sense for you to tuck away on your bench to stand out. Kiko Firmina, who we all know is Watford's right back, who he had 36 starts for Watford last season, five assists uh so he has that attacking potential for a defender. And then their center back, Francisco Seralta, one goal last season, but he is considered to be Watford's best uh, like big man set piece threat. And he had such a great season for Watford that he was named to the uh, EFL team of the season. So those are the players that I'd flag to sort of add to your watch list as we consider Watford around game weeks four or five and beyond. All right, Brandon, that is the bottom quarter of the Premier League this season. And Brandon, we will not be wrong about this. I feel very confident in our bottom quarter there. <laughs> yeah. Let's take a break and we'll talk about teams 15 through 11. Hey, everyone, we wanted to take a quick minute to tell you about our friends at Fantasy Football Hub, a great one-stop shop for all of your FPL needs. Just visit fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always for 25% off the membership tier of your choice. And when you join the Fantasy Football Hub at a membership tier or for free, you become eligible for the Always Cheating Super League 1,000-pound cash prize. At the Hub, you gain access to the greatest fantasy minds managing today who are sharing their teams and strategy through thoughtful articles and video content. And at the Hub, you can access all the data. We're talking all of it, which includes real Optistats, which are filtered through easy-to-use player comparison tools. The Hub also has great game week planning tools like their advanced fixture tickers and custom spreadsheets masterminded by the legendary Ben Krellen. 
And if you don't want to manage alone, you can chat with other managers through the Hub, including use of their private WhatsApp groups. Also, guess what? The Hub has an app. So if you're managing your team on the fly, on your mobile phone, go ahead and use the Fantasy Football Hub app. Again, get 25% off the membership tier of your choice by visiting fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, we're back. Team number 15 is Newcastle. Wow. I feel a level of investment in Newcastle at this point because I got so much derision last spring uh-huh. for, for as, as many listeners will know, for saying that Steve Bruce was not doing a bad job. That's all I said. I said that he was not doing a terrible job. <laughs> and that was it, – it, it went off like a nuclear bomb, those comments. And uh-huh. uh, I think he like didn't lose a match the rest of the season yeah. or something once I said that. It was like there, there were people run. punching horses yeah. in the streets, Josh, after your comments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was highly controversial. And, and all I meant was they – you know, like – they were kind of fine the whole year. And that's kind of extraordinary when you consider that they really don't, I mean, like they, you know, they, they let their fans down a lot and they're all, they're also sick of Mike Ashley. And it looks like the ownership issues are being worked out. They may even be resolved that like 
in 2021. Like we'll see what happens there. Yeah. But um, let's let's we'll keep the focus on fantasy here, and I, I think that they have a pretty decent start to the season. It really isn't bad. They have uh, three pretty good home matches: uh, home to West Ham, Southampton, and Leeds. Uh, way to Villa in game week two, which which isn't terrible, especially if Villa are still kind of you know we'll see what happens with Grealish at that point and. Way to Watford in game week six. Way to Man United in game week four is maybe the only one that I would call like a, a straight up bad fixture. Um, so I think, you know, the transfer news really begins and ends with Joe Willick. Um, he was really, really good for them last season. Uh, eight goals um, and, you know, comes in at six million this year. He's he's an Arsenal player, though. So mm-hmm. the question is, can they bring him in on loan? Can they sign him? Uh, it, it looks very promising. Um, I actually heard that the uh, the Lukanga signing that Arsenal are in the midst of making right now is, I think they may have actually been agreed terms now on Lukanga. So, um, you know, the Lukanga deal may give Willick the freedom to go somewhere else where he can, you know, sort of play and be a full-time starter. So, um, yeah, so, you know, if that happens, then I think that, you know, we're actually looking at a pretty decent attack for Newcastle. You have Callum Wilson, Joe Willick, um, St. Maximin, um, Joe Linton, although he actually went off injured in a, in a friendly today. I had Miguel Almiron, like for a bottom half of the table team, <laughs> that is a pretty balanced and impressive attack. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah it was. I mean, there were another team that struggled through injury were, you know, we may or may not talk about Wolverhampton later in this podcast, Josh, but I think, um, destabilizing injuries with uh, St. Maximin and Callum Wilson took what could have been a consistent and, um, you know, solid starting 11, if not somewhat deep mid table squad to a team that I would say had the, uh, the worst best season or the best worst season. I'm not exactly sure (laughs) how to describe it, but um, a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of both, but um, yeah, I, yeah, I, it's it, they're they're just such an odd team. They're such an odd team based on what I'm not sure I learned from last season. I, I mean, I think what we want as FPL managers is some excitement attacking wise from Newcastle because they have such explosive players. I mean, my my thought last summer was Newcastle need to embrace this idea that they will become one of the fastest attacks in the league with yeah. Almiron yeah. and Saint Maximin running you know through the midfield i thought there and and then they had signed ryan fraser at that point too even wilson has decent mm -hmm. pace i feel like he's not he's not like a burner but he's you know he can get up and down the field so there's some potential if everyone can get fit and they and they put it in their mind that that's how they want to play so you know try it newcastle i'd love to see it so just a couple quick you know thoughts on 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 some of their players i mean the defenders there's some decent 4.5 million options i guess jamal lewis maybe would be a, a, a candidate there but I just do yourself a favor and stay away, to be honest. I, I, we, having had a lot of experience with Newcastle defenders over the years, I mean, you want to have a clean slate a little bit, but it's it's just a source of a lot of frustration. And I, um, there, you know, we'll, and we'll even see what happens with you know Dubrovka's injured right now, so it looks like Darlow will probably be starting the season. And so very handsome just, that just, Darlow fellow. He is very handsome, and he's, he comes in at a reasonable price this time at four point five million. He's not the most expensive backup goalkeeper in the game this season, which is a nice change. Uh, so, you know, the midfield, though, we've already talked about them a little bit, but Almiron, four goals, two assists, which always seems low. It always feels like he's on the verge of breaking out, yeah. you know, and becoming a really good fantasy asset. It never quite seems to happen, and so it's hard to it's hard to project that happening. Um, I'd avoid everyone else, Frazier, Shelby, Hayden, et cetera, in the midfield. Uh, and then forwards, you've got St. Maximin, who is inexplicably, truly inexplicably classified as a forward. 
don't know anybody who saw the way that Newcastle lined up last season and thought that same Exxon was a forward. They have two forwards. They have two yeah. classic center forwards in Kellen Wilson and Joe Linton. It's who will be odd. on the pitch simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, right. They don't, it's not like a three forward rotation. You know, it's not like a four, three, three or something. Yeah, it's just very strange. And, you know, I mean, I like same Exxon a lot. I liked him a lot as a 5.5 million midfielder, but as a 6.5 million forward, who scored three <laughs> goals and five assists last season. Like, give me a break. That's a reverse, what we call a reverse out of position player. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, let's not uh, let's just let's just avoid him. So Callum Wilson, uh, he does remain the truth. Callum, the truth, Wilson. He is the uh, truth. Well, yeah, he is the truth. He's the truth. Twelve goals, six assists and a seven point five million price, which, you know, it's pricey. But I mean, how could you price him lower than that? Right. I mean, he's like yeah. a super reliable fantasy asset. And it would be shocking to me if he scored less than 10 goals. I mean, I think it's totally reasonable to go into the season with Wilson as one of your starters. The cognitive dissonance here is it's Newcastle and you uh, there, you know, there's Newcastle just doesn't have an FPL shine to it right now, but right. Callum Wilson has proven year after year yeah, at Bournemouth. And then at Newcastle, it doesn't matter which team he's on, who is on that team with him. He is the way the truth and the light. <laughs> I couldn't say it any better. So let's let that let's wrap it up. A very flowering review of a fifteenth place team. Uh, let's move on now to Brentford in fourteenth spot. We talked about them a lot on the uh, on our our uh, promoted team preview podcast. So, Brandon, do you want to just do a quick a quick rundown, yeah. a reminder about Brentford? Yeah, I think the reminder with Brentford here is of the promoted squads. Brentford are probably the ones with the greatest attacking potential. And my goodness, look at these fixtures to open up the season. Uh, they host Arsenal the very first kickoff of the season, Friday night hosting Arsenal. Then they have Palace, Villa, Brighton, Wolves. Pretty good fixtures. I mean, I do think um, we're, we're, we're yeah. projecting that maybe Brighton and Wolves and Villa and even Palace could, you know, could surprise us. But as far as uh, Brentford fans are concerned, that's as good as you could hope for. And, uh, and and it's funny, like the winner of the championship playoff final, as is Brentford, and everyone is really pegging Brentford to surpass both Watford and Norwich in their performance in the Premier League. And I think the reason why is because their manager, Thomas Franks, who is just this Danish psychotic person who is he and all the club, they are all about the numbers and the statistics, your stats bomb, which is. Um, one of the more uh, known and renowned stats providers or stats and an analysts going today. They've done a lot of work with Brentford in the past. And Thomas Frank being uh, a manager for the last couple of years during Brentford's rise and their building of this beautiful new stadium, it's there. It's this level of continuity. Like, sure, Norwich have kept... Uh, you know, the same manager the last couple of years, but they, the, the trajectory of Norwich has been a little rocky. Brentford have constantly been on the upward trajectory under Thomas Franks. And I think that's the, the expectation going forward. They have a generally attacking style of play. They moved to three at the back last season. So you can expect wingbacks, not fullbacks pushing high up the pitch. And generally, I think we'll just see from Brentford, to be a balanced side in their attack and their defense. So a recap on Brentford players that we want to consider. Ivan Tony, their striker, their talisman from last season, the golden boot winner in the championship. With 44 starts, he achieved 31 goals. And Josh, how many assists did Ivan Tony have? 14. Whew. 
which is incredible. So, and this man is unpent. <laughs> so at 6.5, Ivan Tony is the pick probably of all the players we have already discussed on this episode. And that price tag, it's the Ollie Watkins dominant Calvert Lewin zone where we expect Tony is priced right for what we expect him to, to deliver. This is something I mentioned on the promoted teams podcast a couple of weeks ago where um, this guy on FPL Reddit, Nevermind721, was talking about the rule of half. And he was able to show numbers from memorable forward players and attacking mids in their first team, or their first season promoted from the championship were able to at least deliver on half of what they achieved the previous championship season. So by that rule of half, if uh, Ivan Tony gets half of 31 goals, we're talking in 15, 16 goals this season, incredible value at 6.5. Just below him sure. in the midfield, Brian and Buemo, uh, who can occasionally play in the two with Ivan Tony last season, eight goals and 11 assists, also taking some set pieces. So I think Embuemo is in that Mateus Pereira sort of role and 5.5. Uh, it's, it's, it's punty, especially as we'll talk about Leeds midfielder, uh, price bracket, but he's one that you could definitely find working his way into your, your wild card or free hit chip. And then, uh, just notable defenders, Rico Henry and Mads Rasmussen because of that wingback style of play that Thomas Franks is Thomas Frank has moved Brentford into. These are both 4.5 priced uh, fullbacks, wingbacks who should have some attacking potential going into this season. So Brentford, there's a, just a, there's a lot of there's a lot of juice. There's a lot of enthusiasm about their fantasy potential, and I, I know Josh, you're drinking that Kool Aid too. Yeah, I mean, you know, 14 probably it's a little high uh, for a predicted finish for them, but I feel like every year there's a team that comes from the championship and finishes a little higher than we expect. And, and, you know, I mean, for all the reasons you stated, which is just kind of, it's really, it's the consistency at the top of the club, you know, they're, they're sort of, um, stat based approach, Thomas Frank being there for, for, you know, for several years, it just, it just feels like there's, there's, you know, it reminds me a little bit of, of, uh, Bournemouth when they came up a few years, a few seasons ago. Yeah. So let's, uh, which would be great. I mean, Bournemouth were a pleasure to have in the premier league, you know, those first few years. So, um, all right, let's move on to number 13 here, Brandon, a little lower than, than maybe what some would predict. Okay. So we might, we might get some, some heat for this one, but I have West Ham. Thirteenth yeah. place. This is a little shocking to me. When you sent me your your table predictions, I had to be, I had to yeah. be talked into this rating because what they finished. You had in, opportunities to change all of these, <laughs> yeah, by the way. Plenty, <laughs> these criticisms. <laughs> so, but, uh, so talk me through your thinking, your perspective. They finished in sixth last season. What is it? Do you, do you think that was mm-hmm. just a, a fluke finish for West Ham, or um, is something going to change going into this this season? Well, I mean, I don't want to be, you know, crazy negative about them here. I mean, you know, in some ways they're 13th because I like the 12 teams ahead of them more. You know, I guess that would be the more diplomatic way to say it. But I, I do think that last season was uh, could have been a little bit of a lightning in a bottle. I'm also a little worried. You know, they qualified for the Europa League group stage after finishing sixth last season. And uh, we we know traditionally that when a non-toxic non-top six club goes into that group stage, it tends to have an impact on their season, right? Like we've seen this with, I think, uh, Wolves being a recent example of this, right? So, um, you know, they don't tend to have the squad depth to handle it. I mean, you know, you look at West Ham, they still only have one forward. 
right? Like I'd heard for a while they were rumored for like Patrick Schick might have been rumored. And there's always there are some forward rumors out there, but you know, at the moment there's there's it's just it's just Michael Antonio, who is a wonderful player, uh, but you know, just can't stay healthy. I mean, he's, you know, Antonio, just to talk about him briefly here. He's, you know, 10 goals, five assists last season. Um, you know, he's maybe a little expensive, I think, at 7.5, considering yeah. his injury record. Yeah. Um, I mean, you really, I don't know how many starts you could expect to get from Antonio, probably not more than 20 or 25, right, in the course of a Premier League season, just because he he cannot stay healthy. Um, yeah. And which is a shame, because I love, I think you and I both love Antonio. Oh, for sure. And him being their lone striker right now, it just, and, and I know Eric Freeman, our amazing guest from last week, was talking about how he's a huge fan of Sebastian Allaire and picked him to do good things when he came to West Ham. The lack of patience that West Ham had with Seb Allaire was just <laughs> incredible. The, the way they brought yeah. him in and just said, this ain't working, you're out of here. And maybe Allaire wanted to go personality to fit, maybe must have been yeah. really. But um, I just can't help but thinking West Ham could really do with uh, more my striker talent. I, Yarmolenko, I mean, coming off of a really solid performance at the Euros for Ukraine, um, I, I think that's an interesting yeah. interesting one. But I don't know, what, what other players here stand out at West Ham? Yeah, yeah. and Yarmolenko, they're talking about, he's, I think he's 31 now, and he's everyone's 31 or 33 this year, at least on this podcast. <laughs> it's like the podcast for, the, for people in their 30s. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I don't use it as a tagline for the podcast. Okay. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the, um, yeah, I, I, there's talk that he might actually move on somewhere else. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah, I think they have a slightly underrated start though. Uh, I think it's, it's honestly pretty good and their, their tougher fixtures are, are, um, the home, our home ones, right. Where they play Leicester and Manion at home. Other than that, Newcastle away, Palace, Southampton, Leeds, Brentford. I mean, it's a great start. And I, you know, I, I do think that Antonio is, is an option, I think, uh, to start the season for sure. And yeah, you know, they're, they're not going to start playing Europa League, at least until after the first international break. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much about that. The player that I am the most excited about though, of all the players on West Ham, it's not even a new signing, but it's just Vlad Kufal, who I thought came in at a great price. He had nine assists last season, nine clean sheets. It comes in at 5 million. I feel like he was probably a goal. He hit the post a couple of times. I feel like he was a goal away from 5.5 million. Yeah. He really probably <laughs> should be 5.5 million. Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, I think you and I both rate him super highly, right? Yeah, we weren't going to talk much about our current Game Week 1 drafts or our bus teams. It's, this is more just getting a lay of the land and understanding these clubs. But I will admit, Sufal is right in my Game Week 1 squad right now. I agree, $5 million is a, a, an amazing price tag for him. And yeah, maybe it was one goal away. I, I think the results, the defensive results for Sufal and his countryman, Suchek, kind of tapered off near the end of the season, which which actually helps us as you're suggesting going into game week one. So if you're going to invest yeah. anywhere this is in West Ham, this is probably the place. And the first, the first team 11 nail will probably be seeing less playing time in the Europa league, certainly at least for the first couple of months. So I do think Sufal would be safe from that kind of um, exhaustion and rotation. I think I think so too, and yeah, maybe like Fredericks plays some of those uh, Europa League matches, exactly, right? He's yeah. a pretty pretty solid backup. Um, yeah, so yeah, transfer wise, uh, they're interested in, in Ariola, the uh, the Fulham. Uh, this is like the, the classic thing where all these like bottom half of the table clubs, like the, it's, they're rumored for like every player on the on relegated yeah. teams, but. 
but even then, it looks like that would mostly be as Fabianski competition. So it wouldn't even be replacing Fabianski. I, I, I still rate pretty highly, um, but yeah. he's had some injury issues. I think that's probably why they're looking. To- I do. I think Fabianski is getting on, but Ariola uh, was Fulham's player of the season. And I think they, they yeah. Fulham more than any. I mean, I was trying to big up Lookman earlier more than any player. They got what they paid for from Ariola. So that's that's interesting. I think if he comes to West Ham, that that that's bad news for Fabianski. Yeah, I, 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 I'm kind of in. Yeah, I think, I think so too. And Fabianski actually, I think he actually is 36. He's the one player who actually is as old as I think he is. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, the Lingard signing though, if he signs at all, it's still up in the air. There's no news there. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, I think there was a Ole Gunnar Solskjaer that said something like, "He's still in our plans for the time being," or something oh, like God. that. So I, okay. I think he's going to move. We'll yeah. see if it's to West Ham or somewhere else. You'd think he'd want to go there. It's kind of like the Willick situation. Like he's yeah. finally found a home, but you know, we'll see what happens there. The rest of the midfield, I mean, Suchek got a huge bump to six million, but you can't say it's not deserved, right? He had 10 goals and two assists last season. You just can't think of him as a defensive midfielder, even though that's kind of where he plays. Yeah. Um, and uh, Ben, Ra- I thought Ben Rama uh, came on, looked pretty good late in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, only has one goal and six assists, but I, th- I don't think that necessarily is an indicator of how, how good he could be this year. And then, Brandon, my final my final player here is just a it's a question to you, which is that Jared Bowen with eight goals, six assists, and six point five million feels very boring to me, like as a fantasy <laughs> asset. Why is that? Why am I bored by Jared Bowen? Well, I guess he's not a cool looking player for one, mm-hmm. and I think for yeah. another is there there are players. Um, again, I mean, Le- Leeds midfielders, Jack Harrison and Rafinha and Stuart Dallas are now just such easy reference points because of how well they performed last season and where they are now priced, where now we just have to compare all of the Jared Bowens of the world to them. And even though Bowen like showed that he could produce, he like other FPL assets producing at his level were just doing either they were doing the same and looked cooler doing it or they were doing just slightly better than he was. Uh, so, and, yeah, I mean, I, I think he was flattered last season because he actually got more minutes than anyone expected him to. So that is another concern I have with Bowen is, is David Moyes going to want to stick with him or would, are they going to shake up the lineup a bit to have Bowen be that yeah. 65th minute impact sub where he's probably better suited for? Yeah. A, a lot of it probably depends on what happens with, uh, with Lingard, right? You know, I think mm-hmm. that, that could really change things. Um, all right. So let's move on to, I just feel like there's a lot up in the air with West Ham too. So we'll keep an eye on them, maybe update them throughout the rest of the preseason. Um, let's go on to club number 12, Brandon, which is another club with lots of changes. Wolves. So Wolves are a wild team to think about right now because you kind of just have to throw last season out. Like all of the FPL numbers that you could comb through from Wolves last season do not tell us anything. Just considering how this team was decimated in so many ways by injuries. It was not just the Raul Jimenez head injury. It was Podence. It was Neto. And it it, Mm -hmm. it defies explanation of how Wolves finished in 13th place because, I I mean, I I don't know how they really recovered from all of those injuries to finish that high up the table. It's it's just it's it's incredible what Nuno did there. Yeah. And that's that's why I'm a little surprised that people are not like excited about him going to uh, to Spurs. I mean, it feels like that's like a. 
I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm like really pro Nuno. We'll talk more about him when we get to Spurs. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you there. So what So what are we looking at this season with, with Wolves? Yeah, so this season they've made some signings, um, you know, not nothing transformative just yet. I think the biggest signing so far that they've made is Trinchao, who is a winger who actually comes from Barcelona. And it's not mm-hmm. like this is a uh, player from the Barcelona camp that we've never seen before. Trinchao actually made 28 appearances for Barca last season, three goals, five assists. So if you were to expect anything of the new revamped attack under new manager Bruno Lage, 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 I don't know. I'm not up on my uh, my my Portuguese <laughs> sure pronunciation. I think I <laughs> well, think we'll tr- find out soon enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think Trinchao will have a have a role to play. So yeah, um, Nuno is out. Bruno, we'll call him, uh, is in. Now, Bruno, it's always exciting, new manager to the league. Uh, he comes from Benfica. But how can you be excited about this hire from a Wolves point of view? Because he was ousted from Benfica after winning only two matches out of 13 last season. So this is like hmm. Wolves basically just hired Scott Parker, um, as far as I can tell. Um, <laughs> but if if he gets on well, if he gets on well with the players and, you know, somebody like Trinchow is entrenched, uh, you see what I did there uh, as quickly as possible. It, yep. it could mm-hmm. be decent. Um, Jose Sa. This is just a minefield of mm-hmm. name pronunciations, Josh. Jose Jose really Sa. Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a goalkeeper signed from Olympiacos, definitely coming in to be number one and FPL towers have told us so by way of his 5.0 price tag. And we do know that Rui Patricio, he ended his career, his wolves career. Now he's off to Roma to go uh, pal around with Jose Mourinho. I just cannot imagine the conversations that those two guys are going to have. Um, but so <laughs> new, new, new goalkeeper energy, new winger energy. Uh, and that's, that's really the story of the off season apart from the fact that there was a um, preseason friendly uh, in which they lost to Crew Alexandra. But the big story there, Josh, was that Raul Jimenez is actually back. He played 30 minutes. So, I mean, just fantasy aside, let's put our human faces on and just be so happy that <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Jimenez is, totally. is healthy and okay and and, bla- and, and back playing the, the game that, he's, yeah. that he loves. So we, we just... I'm kind of meandering through my Wolves notes because there's so much good news here, I think, for Wolves. There's also so much uncertainty. New yeah. manager, you, you really lost the heart some... of the current club with with Nuno leaving. So, um, uh, and, and and on top of that, I just know, I know fantasy-wise, we're not going to know what the story is until they've got Jimenez back starting which seems seems like they're on the verge, along with Neto, who Neto is still out with a knee problem, and Potence had uh, surgery on his groin in May. It looks like they're they're thinking he'll be fit to start the season, but I just want to see all of the attacking assets uh, lined up and, and ready yeah. to go before I have any super hot takes on this squad. I think that's fair. I mean, they play, they play Leicester, Spurs, and Man United in the first three, so it's like. Let's see how they look after three weeks, and then we and, and maybe watch them in the preseason too. Uh, the only other thing I'll add is just that uh, Ryan uh, Eight Nori uh, did sign, um, I think, on a permanent deal now, and yeah. um, he is 
he played out of position in a, in a, in a recent uh, friendly for Wolves as a, as, a, as a left winger. So he may be one to watch. Now, that could just be like a netter replacement situation, a short-term move. That's probably most likely what it was. But if, if, if you know, there's a chance at least that, that Aidenori could be, at the very least, it shows that he's considered a very valuable part of the squad. So at $4.5 million, if, if he becomes their starting left back or left wing back, however they end up kind of lining up ultimately, um, I wonder if they do kind of go into a wing back system just because that's how most of their players are, yeah. you know, like like we're, we're sort of brought in for that kind of yeah. system. So yeah. we'll see. $4.5 million, though, good price. One word of caution, I think this is the last note on Wolves, is uh, FPL darling Adama Traore priced at 6.0. A really disturbing drop-off in FPL performance last season, just two goals and four assists and five bonus points. So he is, like, of all of the FPL assets, one that I think um, conjures most the most sort of, like, we're all rooting for him. He's just, yeah. he's such a fun player to watch. So, um uh, we'll see if new management helps give a resurgence to Team Traore. Yeah, I mean, like, it feels like half the Premier League teams are in for him this summer. He shows up in, like, every team's transfer rumors. So, like, clearly people think he could bounce back, you know? So we'll, we'll see if he does that with with Wolves or Liverpool or, or something. Like, who knows? So, um, all right, last club in our, our team previews, 20 to 11, is Aston Villa. Another team in that West Ham category that, that we have maybe a little lower than, than other people out there. And to me, it just really begins and ends with Jack Grealish, right? Um, he is, there's, you know, I, I read um, a David Ornstein article yesterday. And David Ornstein, the, the, the Doracle, as some people call him, is a really, really reliable reporter. Um, and uh, he really gives you information that you can really trust about transfers and, and team news and planning and things like that. Um, and he really threw some cold water on whether Grealish is actually going to leave this summer. So we'll see, like, you know, basically like they would need man city to offer like a hundred million. And if they offered a hundred million, that would really get them thinking. So it could be kind of like a, like a, like a two, like a two-step thing where if Kane doesn't work out, then Grealish sort of does like get some of that money that would have been allotted for Kane. And so, so we'll see. So, you know, so it's hard for me to, to know how to feel about Villa because I don't know how to feel about, how Grealish fits in. I mean, if you take the team that they have last season and then you add any Buendia to it, you're looking at, a, at definitely a top 10 team, if not a, if not a top seven or eight team. So um, let's talk about Buendia real quick. Comes in at 6.5 million. He had 15 goals, 17 assists, and 39 appearances uh, in the championship last season. Only at 10%, 10, 10% ownership at the moment. And I think that if Grealish leaves, that number should will really jump because yeah. I think he'll sort of be basically asked to fill that, that Grealish role. Now, Buendia did not like pull up trees uh, when he was at Norwich in the Premier League a couple of seasons ago, but he was a he was a chance creator, you know. And so sometimes these players look really good, and just the end the end product isn't quite there, you know, just because um, they don't have players who are capable of kind of finishing the chances that, that they create for them. So um, clearly, he was able to to really you know step it up. Also stepped up his goal threat a lot last season too. So um, I think he's a great signing for Aston Villa, whether Grealish stays or not. Um, and the other signing is, uh, Ashley Young, who is, uh, five, classified at 5 million, which seems a little high to me, uh, considering he's probably more of like a backup insurance defender. So I totally um, missed this you know, news on I'm, Ashley Young. Yeah. I think that that's exciting. I think he yeah. is a, he's a Villa boy. That's where he, he originally right. came from. That's right. So yeah, I guess he's, right. uh, Watford is his original club, but he made 157 appearances for Villa. So that's wow. cool. That's cool. Yeah, it is kind of cool. He was at Roma, right, for a while. Yeah, I feel like he moved all over the place. Of course, he was at Man United for a long time. Um, so, you know, for Villa, pretty good start to the fixtures, and it gets really, really bad 
So um, you've got Watford, Newcastle, uh, Brentford in the first three. Boom, boom, boom. Great. And then it's Chelsea, Everton, Man United, Spurs, three out of four away. So I think that if you are looking at bringing in, especially like more than one Aston Villa player, I would have a team or two in mind that you were going to look at for transfers to, you know, to transfer those players into really beginning game weeks four or five, because um, it's uh, I don't think this team is fixture proof. I think they're pretty good. And maybe the one player who is though, is uh, Ali Watkins who had 14 goals, nine assists comes in at 7.5 million, which again is reasonable. Um, you know, good fixtures. Okay. Value. I don't know why I'm not more excited about him. I can't explain it. I don't think it's like yeah. the Jared Bowen thing. I think it's just that I think of him as a 6 million player. And now that he's 7.5, it's like, yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm forcing myself to reevaluate him, even though I do think he is a very good player and a decent fantasy asset at 7.5 million. Yeah. I think of that price too. You're starting to have to evaluate the players around him and you know, yeah. all the, all the talk about, Buendia being a great player, but unproven at Villa and Grealish may be gone. The The team around Watkins is unstable and it might not be getting better. It might be either the same or different, which is doesn't fill you with a, a, a ton of hope. So I, I share your sentiments on Watkins. I'm very high on him as a Premier League striker, but um, this season feels uh, it. My vision is cloudy, Josh. I'll say that. Yeah. I feel like, and, and we're probably a little, I guess we're, we're, we're on the more pessimistic, pessimistic end of the spectrum because he is, he's already at 33% ownership uh, on the season. He is, I think the, the fourth most owned, <laughs> Jamie Vart, wait, no, that can't be right. Hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to start these uh, forwards by ownership percentage. Yes. Yeah, so Ollie Watkins is the second most owned player in fantasy already going to the season. Incredible. Uh, if you're curious that, yeah, if you're curious, the top three are uh, Ivan, Tony, Ollie Watkins and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So what a weird year for forwards. Jeepers, creepers. You got Kane in fourth, Bamford in fifth. Ugh, just very strange. Uh, yeah, we're going to have to do a whole pod on just on forwards, I think, Brendan. It's such a mess. Okay, Where, let's, yeah. let's plan to do that. All right, let's do it. It's going to be an hour on forwards. We're going to pull some stats. We're going to try to figure this problem out. We need okay? it, Josh. No we, we need it. It's like, where, where <laughs> have they all gone? It, it, Harry Kane and Jamie Vardy, uh, and that's pretty much pretty much it like man city don't play with strikers chelsea don't play with strikers so you know how long until saint island saint maximum is in that top five forward i don't know it's like it's like two weeks away from happening (laughs) um so Grealish, we'll talk more about him as we get closer to the season as we figure out where he is great price at eight million totally reasonable price uh six goals 12 assists i think he's fixture proof i think you can play him in any match um, and I think the stats would be even better without the injury. I think without hit that injury where he lost like 10 weeks, we'd be looking at like closer to like, you know, maybe 10 goals and 15 or 16 assists, which is, you know, really, really huge for, I think what he came in the season at 7 million. So, um, you know, 8 million, I think is a, is a, one of the better prices out there. Um, unless he goes to Man City and becomes an auxiliary, you know, I mean, if they're going to pay a hundred million for him, you'd think they'd start him a lot, right? Like over Mares, maybe, I don't know. Like that's money. Money TD. just does money just doesn't mean <laughs> to them what it means to yeah, you josh and i think i think true. squad depth is a thing that city is always thinking about because they fight on yeah. so many fronts and they've successfully won so many trophies apart from the champions like the the thing that i keep thinking about with Grealish is what he and his agents and even villa were hoping to get out of the euros this summer like did they think that Grealish was going to be a key starter for england and that was going to catapult his value to like justify that 100 million price tag did or i mean 
Grealish did have influence on England's run. So did he did he still even coming off the bench help his evaluation? I I don't know. See, I think I think he did. I think yeah. because it was almost like it, he didn't have to do that much because it was he became that player that everyone wanted to see start. You know, so it was like yeah. the, the and he doesn't he doesn't have to bear any of the bra- uh, any of the blame. Exactly, exactly. He just became the player who they should have played more. Mm-hmm. And then he, he came out, in the, you know, after the after the final and was like, oh, I I wanted to take a pen. They wouldn't let me take a pen. Yeah, you know. And so he was already doing like like summer PR there. So we'll see what happens with him. I mean, he's he's been really loyal to to Villa over the years, and so you know, I don't think he's going to stab him in the back or leave four weeks into the season or whatever. I think that, you know, um, if it, if it works out, I think it's going to work out in a way that benefits everybody. I mean, by which I mean, Villa will get a lot of money and I don't think he's going to totally refuse to start for them or something like that to force a trade. So we've talked a lot about Emmy Buendia, Josh, but what about the other Emmy, uh, the, the number one FPL points getter for <laughs> yeah. Aston Villa, Emmy <laughs> Martinez. I mean, is it, is it yeah. just a straight kill shot from FPL towers to price him at 5.5? Totally. It's, he's done. Yeah, I mean, it's a bummer. I love Emmy Martinez. He's a great keeper, but I will not spend $5.5 million on a team that on a keeper for a team that I think is going to finish in 11th place. I just can't yeah. do it. Um, the defenders in general all got a big bump. I mean, not not unreasonably so. Uh, I do think that Matty Cash maybe um, deserves more consideration now. I thought he really looked very good before he got a little injured near the end of the season, and uh, no one really looked at him fantasy-wise because Matt yeah. Target was there at 4.5, yeah. but now that now that uh, they're the same price, I think um, there could be some value in just going for him as kind of a just to be a little different, you know. Um, Possibly, I think they both offer equal threat. I think Cash is like he's he's a he's a fun player. He's a really dogged defender, which can draw him into a number of yellow cards, unfortunately. And Tar- Target has an FPL leg up because he will take the occasional set piece from you know thirty yards out on his side of yeah. the pitch. That's a good point. I, I guess I'm still I'm still pro target, and and I and I think that target and Watkins link together really well too. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think that with, with with some of the changes that are coming to VAR this season, I think that uh, Watkins would have had like five more goals this season, and and, and, and target would have had five more assists if uh, those lines were a little bit thicker, uh, which they will be going into this season. So that's Aston Villa. That's the year eleventh team. Thus ends part one of the always cheating team previews. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you want to join the Always Cheating community, go to patreon.com slash always cheating to do so. We'll be doing an extra bonus podcast this week. We'll be giving out those monthly awards and t-shirts and we've got the Slack community where we're all talking every single day. We've got lots of mini leagues. We have mini leagues that we do on Patreon. We also have a lot of private mini leagues that are open to various people too. Um, if you, if you join the Patreon, um, and, and, and talk on our Slack. So if you're looking for, you know, for, for people to be in mini leagues with this year and not like a, like on many hundreds of people, but just like a smaller mini league, the, our Slack community is a great place to go and find people and join some leagues. So, um, I just give one, that was one final shout out for Patreon. That's patreon.com slash always cheating. Brendan, do you want to thank our producer patrons? Yes, Josh. Big thanks to our producers, Mike DiPietro, Trevor Ingerson, Chris Howell, Andy Penn, Martin Savage, Brian T, The Big Gafford, Bobas Coon, Jeff Husby, Ben Grant, James Holland, Dave Wagner, Lodal, Nick Wright, Jim Payne, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Travis West, Victor Forberg, Skoging, Paul Herzig, Kyra Christine LeLang, Andy Portlock, Toothless Given, Lindsay Rostel, Anton Markov, at FPL Merch, Carrie Swanson, Kieran Screeton, Francis Mann, Chris Carter, Blue Nose Stew, Mikey Uong, Bruce Kerr, Nicholas Vernadakis, Sam Shower, Will Husby, Rich Evans, Future Media Group, FPL, Ben Sweeney, George Kinney, Shiv Morjaria, Rom Frosk, AJ, Fly You Fools, Jeremy Spiker, Lazaros, Yanos. 
Greek FPL is back, baby. Jesse Halstead and our newest producer, Matthew Becker. Rate, review, subscribe to the Always Cheating Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Follow us wherever you get your social media. For all this information and more, visit alwayscheating.com and also a way and also a place to find that league code for the Always Cheating Super League where you can get access to that fantasy football hub 1000 pound cash prize josh that's a wrap that's a wrap and yeah brandon i was gonna say two bnf for you not 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 so hard to remember two bnf for you is the league code to join our always cheating super league or you can just go to alwayscheating.com as you noted and there's an auto join link right there so you go to our website you can, you can check it out lots of cool stuff on there uh and then click on that link and join our league so Brandon, I'm just stepping right on your toes here, but I just want to say thanks to everybody uh, for listening. If you made it this far, we really, really appreciate it. We're back with part two next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Poku forever. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.